Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LaGrecker, and this is Courage to Hope. Tonight's guest is Kathy Sullivan. And Kathy Sullivan is going to talk to me about a grief conference that's coming up this October. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Tony, for having me. I really appreciate the conversation we're going to be able to have. Okay. So tell me, Kathy, about that. Let's kind of do an overview first. What is a grief conference? Absolutely. So this is actually the second annual grief conference. I attended last year as an attendee as well as a presenter of the conference. And the conference is through um, SAD-OD, which is the, I always say this wrong, it's the support after a death by overdose. So it is a group of people that have gotten together to do this conference. And this year they've called it Finding Connections in Grief. So last year it had a different name, very similar to it. It's not coming to me, but we decided this year that we wanted to use the word connections because when we had the first one last year, we realized how many connections were actually made for all of the people attending and the people even presenting. So that's where the name came from this year and it's being held on October 20th, which is a Friday. So they're going to start at Friday night at 6 p.m. And it goes all the way throughout the whole entire weekend until Sunday at about noon. So it's going to be well attended, we hope. We've got about 225 attendees, we believe, that can come. And it's a group of people that want to get together to have support after a death. And it's at the uh, Sheridan in Framingham, right? On Route 9? Yes, it is. So it's at the Sheridan <clears throat> Framingham Hotel and Conference Center. So I'm not all that yes. familiar with Framingham, but you said it's Route 9? It is. It used to, it's actually on Route 9 and Route 495, right, pretty much where they intersect. And it used to be called the Sheridan Tara. For those that live in the area, they'll know the Sheridan Tara because it looked like a castle back back in the day. So that was the point of it. It was a, There was several of them sprinkled around Massachusetts, but this was the the main one that everybody would have big conferences at. And there are special rates for people who want to stay at the hotel, which I strongly recommend that if you're coming for the three days to definitely stay at the hotel. I uh, 100% agree with you. Because so. <clears throat> it's very convenient and food is, is partially included. Food is so, entirely included. So entirely we have, um, yeah, entirely included. So if you're there for the weekend coming Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're literally feeding us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, so it's really good food. That is another note that I'm glad you mentioned because I did stay and I live in Plainville, Mass. So I could have easily drove back and forth, you know, during the weekend. But I decided I wanted to stay because I wanted to be able to even feel more a part of, you know, so it was nice to be able to be in the hotel, be around the people, not have to rush back, you know, to something and get out of your, even get out of your mind, you know, to just set yourself there for the weekend to be able to actually honor your grief was an amazing feeling for me personally. And I understand completely. Once you leave the building, you've, you, you've left the, uh, you're, you're now out of the, out of the realm of, the whole purpose of the conference. Exactly. And, Go ahead. And it, it is brought on by Massachusetts uh, something health committee. What? How, yeah, who so sponsors B, it? 
Yep, so BSAS is sponsoring it as well as the Massachusetts, um, where did I put that? The Massachusetts, um, Commonwealth of Massachusetts Department of Public Health. And then BSAS is obviously the Bureau of Substance Addiction Services. So they're the ones that support it each year and have made it so it happens, you know, for the second year in a row, which is fabulous. And, you know, that's another thing. The whole entire conference is only $99 for the whole weekend, which is amazing if you really honestly think of even just the support and the food alone. That does not include the hotel room. No, it does not include the hotel room. I believe the rates for the hotel room are like $209 a night. So someone could even go just for Saturday night. You know, they wouldn't necessarily have to be there for Friday. So, you know, it's $99 for the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But for that fee, you can even just come for one day and still get absolutely your money's worth. Okay, so let's talk about the conference itself. So yes. what are we? What what actually is happening? So what is happening is obviously Friday they're doing a pre-conference, so they're going to start that at six p.m. And on Friday night, what they're actually having is they're having one of the presenters. Um, it's called "A Million Other Things," and it says continuing connections after death from substance use. And we also want people to realize, you know, it's just not death from an overdose. It could be a death from a suicide homicide, accident, in even medical complications due to substances. So please know that when you come to the conference, it is really a grief conference for that manner. The only requirement is that you really have to be a Massachusetts resident. You know, I personally, you know, you and I both are parents here who have lost kids. And I personally lost my daughter to underage drinking, you know, at 17 years old. So, you know, the conference for me last year really gave me a lot of peace with the different classes that were there. And it's interesting I just said classes, Tony, because I've been interviewing people who have attended last year. And Cheryl, do you know Cheryl Joyer from Team Sharing? Oh, yes, very much so. Yes, I always say her last name wrong, I think. But she actually mentioned when she interviewed with me that she loved the classes. And she said classes instead of sessions, which I loved because it is very educational for us. You know, with people in grief, sometimes you feel like you're you're falling into a hole that you can't get out of. And just the words in those different sessions that they had were literally eye-opening for me. Even someone in long-term grief here. I mean, I'm 14 years since I lost my daughter, you know, so it was really good. So the classes are go all day. There's actually um, on Saturday, I counted up, there's like more than five different sessions that are going to be there. And I know that you are presenting in some of the sessions. So, you know, there are different sessions for grief in general, but why don't you share with them what you're doing for your sessions? Well, I'm on two panels. I'm on a panel with uh, for men uh, who lost a child from substance use. And, and it's really one of the problems, I think, in, the, in this whole pandemic epidemic of opioids and everything is that men, men don't join grief groups. And we're trying to educate the men that it's okay to come to an all-men grief group, you know, and they feel a little uncomfortable if they're with with other people, if they're with women, because uh, men don't really like to show emotion. They they think they have to be the tough guy, and they're supposed to be the problem solver, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then all of a sudden they have to admit that they're not a problem solver, that they're part, you know, and that they were this, and it really isn't quite like that, but... Men talk to men and we can get get it out there. 
<clears throat> you I know, and yeah. it's like, uh, that's, that's real important because uh, the men who don't talk to anybody are the leading group of suicide in this country now. So true. So that, that's something we're well aware of. So we, we, we want to get that point across that, you know, and especially if, if, if the, the wife or the mother is there and their husband is home, doesn't want to come to this conference and we can discuss the importance of it and maybe get the point across and they can bring it back to their loved one. And I agree with you there. No, it's interesting. I missed that session last year and I was speaking with Gary Carter, who I had interviewed as well. And he was on that panel last year. And he had said that it was a lot of, you know, women in the room and they were learning to be able to see how to be able to help their partner, you know, because it really did help them understand their thought process throughout the loss. Men uh, definitely deal with grief internally. A lot of them are silent drinkers. They, yeah. they, they, they do things like they eat too much, they drink too much. And they, that's the way that they, they, they hold in their emotion. Um, and that's bad. We want to get them to come out and we want to get them to um, have a little bit more quality of life and being able to deal with it and accept what they have to deal with. Absolutely. And it is about the acceptance. That's a great word, Tony, because, you know, I, I honestly think that a lot of the men out there feel that they have to fix everything you know, especially for their family dynamic. And this isn't necessarily something that you can fix. You have to work on yourself, you know, through any grief that we go through. And it's a daily process, you know, and I've always said since losing Taylor that you have to learn to live a different life. And it can be a really, really good life. I will share with you, it's been 14 years and I am probably one of the most joyous people you will meet. Ben, your person even said that, you know, but it's an active choice. But it is also, you know, going through the steps and you never know what those steps can be, you know. And when I went through this conference last year, I think what I learned the most was that I was not alone. You know, I interviewed a few of the other people that went as well. And they said to walk in that room and see another 200 people that have gone through, you know, similar circumstances, not exactly, we don't all have the same plan, but to be able to be in that room and feel the comfort and the connection instantly, there's just, it's no describing it till you actually walk through the doors. That's correct. Now yeah. I'm on another panel uh, on the same day on Saturday, and this is a panel for grandparents who are raising grandchildren. Yes. And in my case, I'm raising, I'm helping to raise great grandchildren. Okay. It's a, it's really it's very complicated. But my my son was raising a young girl who was at the time six years old, and she she found my son when she was sixteen. That that he that's when he passed. She was sixteen. Yeah. She went on and had three three children, and she's got him. Her her life was very bad. She lost her stepfather. She lost her biological mother and she lost her biological father. All of them died of an overdose. Oh, my. So she picked up alcohol and the children got um, in, got involved and they became in DCF custody. And <clears throat> the grandmother on the other side take, took full custody. And, and I'm helping her with the, with the, with the three kids. And I yeah. technically would be the great grandfather. Yes. And we're talking five and a half, four, and three. Wow. And they are a handful. They certainly are. 
Mexico. And I mean, and I was just on the phone with, with um, the grandmother and, you know, it, it's tough. She has, she's got them 24 seven, you yeah. know, and we have to deal with DCF and uh, some things that I won't get into right now with DCF, you know, and, and not good, yeah. you know, and, and it's not what you think it's um, we're trying to do more and they hold us back. Yeah. And we don't get information that we'd like to get. And we'd like to be able to move forward with more things, but yeah. everything takes all this time. And, but when you have kids that are nagging at you and pulling on you and there is no, that's the time you've got to do it now. You right. know, you have yeah, them, they're, exactly. they're there, they're going to sleep here tonight. You know, they're not going to go home to anybody, you know, so right. yeah. you, um, and it's, it's complicated. And then they're also very emotional that they're not living with their mother. Right. They're not living with their mother or their father. Right. And so that that's a problem, you know, and they you have to when they have visits, they're only the visits are for an hour at a time, once a week. Right. And that disrupts the children immensely. And then the, the caretakers have to take the children back and they have to deal with what's what the, the kids are going through. Exactly. And how are you supposed to know that? Like as grandparents or great parents, if you don't have the support of other grandparents you know, even great grandparents that are going through that, how would you ever have those tools to be able to have the words? So it's good that you're on that panel because it will help others to be able to figure out, you know, what is it? What's the next best step? Yeah, you know? I mean, and I'm not that young. I mean, I'm 75. Okay. And you're looking I'm good, there, Tony. Huh? You said you're looking good. And I'm getting yeah. ready to take them to Marshfield Fair. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, so yeah. A day, a day at the fair, you know, and, you, you know, there's two of us and three of them, you know, it's a challenge. You're outnumbered. Yeah. You get one that wants to go on rides and one that's not tall enough to go on rides. And, you yeah. know, you've got to learn how to go through all that again. I said, I thought I did that 30, 40 years ago, you know, so yeah. it's, now I'm doing it again. You know, I, I always laughed at I'm be coaching Little League when I'm 80. Yeah, you probably will be. But, you know, thank God you guys were able to be able to do that, you know, because a lot of those those kids don't even have that capability of being able to have the grandparents. So, you know, thank God you guys are around. So, well, that's going to be a very interesting panel to be on because, you know, you're, you're taking steps every day that you never expected to take. That's correct. You know, this was supposed to be the retirement years, Yeah. you know, yeah. I'm, and, I, and I'm good with it, but just so you're good wrong. I no, no. actually, I actually enjoy it. Yes. It's I can guess that having the, having the DCF, over your head all the time. It's never and, ending, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, this year I wanted them, the oldest, his name is Adam. I wanted him to play soccer. But, you know, because the you can't, the, he has to, because of the, there's only one person that has full custody, she has to, we have to drag the, the two the girls, you know, and, and it prevents him from being able to do things. Yeah. You know, and we want him to be able to be one place and the girls to be in another place, you know. So we but um yeah, we're working on it. They're getting That's older. Good. The good news is they're getting older and they're pot trained now and all that okay. stuff. No diapers is a beautiful thing, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, those are gonna be two good panels. I'll definitely I know I'm going to definitely step into the men one when you're there. So, and that's what the amazing thing is about this conference is too. They have a whole bunch of different sessions. So like you can choose what you want to choose. You know, they have some keynote spoke speakers there and the keynote speakers are actually great. So Friday night, they have one 
that is actually an online keynote speaker. She is, um, her name is Lisa Williams, and she's the co-founder co-founder of um, What's Your Grief? And I just went on to check her out, and she looks like she knows what she's talking about, which is great, you know, and she speaks just, she speaks from the heart, you can tell. So she's obviously gone through a lot herself. She sends out a newsletter once a week or so. She does, yeah, yes, yeah. So I wasn't familiar with her before. I subscribe to that newsletter. Okay, yeah, so no, they seem I've like been reading, I've been reading her stuff for quite a while. Yes, so she's, she's young, very good. She's, yeah, she's not that old either. You know, I was surprised when I pulled her up; she was as young as she is. But that just goes to show you, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're seventy-four, you know, or you know, young like her, you're going through something. So it makes you realize you're not alone again. So is she the only speaker for Friday night? So she's the Friday night one because Friday night only starts at six o'clock. So Friday night, what they have is they have her speaking. And then um, I think they've got like a evening little session, like getting to know each other. And then um, on Saturday, they actually have the director of BSAS is going to be there, Deirdre Calvert. She's going to speak. Um, and we also have Tanya Lord, who is the co-founder of the Grief Toolbox. So she's going to be there doing the keynote as well. And then besides that, you just have so many different sessions to be able to go at. One of the sessions I noticed was a sibling session, you know, for loss of a sibling, which I think is huge, you know, with the grief journey, because there's so many siblings that have lost their sibling, you know, and some people feel that, you know, they're the forgotten child, you know, especially if it happens younger, you know, I've heard that a lot through over, you know, my journey of grief. So they've got that session. And then they even had a session, which I thought was great. It's called um, When the Pain, My Bereavement Pain Has Dulled, you know, like it has settled, you know, and that's another thing that people don't realize, you know, there's going to be so many different stages when you go through your grief process that, you know, sometimes you feel guilty if you have a good day, you know, so how do you deal with that if that's the case as well? So that looked like a really good session. You know, and then they have like the simplest sessions, you know, like what are essential oils? They have a yoga class because sometimes you can't handle all this conversation, you know, so they've got these nice little, you know, reeky moments in between. So it does make it so that you can actually handle the process of the whole weekend. You know, a lot of people think, oh, how am I going to do this for, you know, 48 hours? You know, is it too much for me to be able to handle? But there's a lot of different sessions and a lot of like breakaways that you can do for yourself, you know, so you can wrap yourself around what you're thinking and go through the process your own way. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, so tell us, um, how do we sign up? So how you sign up? Um, registration started yesterday. So that's good. It opened up on August 14th. So you have all the way till um, I want to say the end date is I want to say October 5th is the deadline. Um, but they're going to sign up quickly. So I would suggest go quickly and get signed up. As I said, it's $99. Um, you would go under the website S-A-D-O-D dot org so sadod.org and then backsplash and then save date 2023 and i'm sure we can put that somewhere on your website so it's under sad.od backsplash save date 2023 the registration is right there as i said it's 99 dollars for the whole weekend you can come for one session or you can come for the whole weekend and um once you sign up there's also a scholarship 
section. So if for some reason the $99 is too much to handle on your finances this month, then you can definitely apply for a scholarship as well. And the reason why they're doing it at that Sheridan, Tony, is because it's located to be able to do like a, a train line. So the train is, what is it? It says free shuttle provided by the MBTA community rail stop. And the rail stop is in Framingham. So there is a free shuttle. So that's a good thing for people to be able to get there if they need to. So, and that information is all on the website as well. And the website again is? The website is S as in Sam, A, D as in dog, O, D as in dog, dot org, backsplash, save date 2023. And they will be able to get on there and click right on it. You know, and I think that was it. There, there is a limit to the number of people that can go to this. So if you if you hold off and don't sign up right away, you could end up not getting in. Exactly. Yes, they've got a limit of like 225 people is what they're shooting for. So and we expect that to fill up pretty quickly, you know, for the session to be only that small amount of money for the whole entire weekend. And the need, you know, the need is great. So it will be it will be well attended. So, and if they have any questions, you know, the site also has, as I said, the scholarships and some questions. If you have any questions you need answered, you'd be able to reach out. Okay. And what is the general dress code? You can wear anything you'd like. <laughs> it's a comfort zone. Yeah, no, people come as they are. Seriously, like there is no general dress code. You know, we prefer you not to be in your pajamas, I guess, but you can come yep. as you are. You know, and honestly, there is all walks of life there and you will absolutely enjoy yourself. And there's all different tables. So don't get intimidated. Like we were speaking to someone last year and they had said that they were really nervous about coming by themselves because a lot of people will choose to come by yourself. And they said that as soon as they came in the door, you know, they were welcomed and they felt very comfortable immediately. So if you're sitting here and you're, you're swaying back and forth, you know, hey, I got to do this alone. Can I do this? I will tell you that you should do this. It's It will change the way you think and it will change your daily life seriously. And it will make you realize the most important thing is that you are not alone. You know, we are not alone in this you know, you can keep moving forward and be able to be okay. And finding connections, you know, it's all about finding connections. Yeah, I noticed that when I'm in the men grief group and um, and before that I was the bereavement facilitator for Hope for in, for in Kingston for um, yeah. Hope, Hope Club. Yes. And, um, and in being with people in same scenario, the same issues, and also dealing with everything up to that point. That's the big, a big thing. You know, it's like, a, there's, um, in my case, my son was addicted for 20 years. So it's a, it was a long, long haul. And lots of things happened over those 20 years and in and out, in and out of rehab and accidents and different things. And, and then, you know, the situation all of a sudden, um, he's gone. And and all of that that lifestyle that I had <clears throat> was also gone. Yeah, I agree. So there's there's a whole coping thing with what now? You Absolutely. Know? You were in survival mode before, and then now that the reality is there, what do you do? You know exactly. Yeah. How do you how do you get you know? So they 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 like to say the new normal, 
and, yeah. and I say they, we say new normal. Yes. And that that's a little different for different people because there are, I know, I know one guy, uh, Ed Bish, who's, whose son took one pill and died. He wasn't even, he was never addicted to anything. He was at his graduation party for high school and, and took an Oxycontin and he had, and was laced with fentanyl and he died within five minutes. Wow. So he had none of that in and out of rehab and all of that kind of stuff. So there's, there's one type of parent that is at at that stage. Yes. And and then there's another parent like myself who, who went on and on and on and on, you know, and coping and everything and dealing with all the things that addiction does, you know, and, I um I interviewed two gentlemen a couple of weeks ago and um they had, they had serious addiction problems and ended up in prison. Yeah. Yeah. One did one did 27 years in prison. Wow. You know, from his yeah. addiction issues and and you know and, and he didn't die though. He ended up in prison and where right. he he turned himself around and now he's a successful businessman. It's amazing. He's been out yeah. of out of prison for a while and he's running a nice program called from prison to prosperity. Wow. And so he's working with other ex cons that when they first come out, you know, what do we do? Where do we go? And but they all had addiction problems, you know, so I'm not, I'm not sure what the deal was with their parents. Yeah. You know, but their parents went through hell in the process. And, but, but that, that's a different type of scenario. Absolutely. But, um, with, with the grief it's everybody's grief change, uh, journey started a different way. Absolutely. That, that's what I'm trying to say. And they're all different, but, but, but also similar. It is, you know, it, it is very similar. It's interesting because, you know, how you got to the point of the loss of your person is different, but the feeling of the loss is the same, you know, whether, you know, you struggled with something for years or whether it happened in an instant. And if you really know what I think is key here, I think it's just being able to be able to talk because there are so many people like us as parents that just can't get the words out. And a perfect example, I was at the, um, I was literally at the park. My husband coaches with the North out of our little, you know, sixth grade you know, coaching now. I'm so not a football person, but he he does some assistant coaching down there. And I was sitting in the park with my four-year-old grandson and he was up there playing on the playground. And I happened to sit next to this other grandmother. She was my age. And we started talking and she told me that she lost her son to substance use. And there I was sitting across from her and she had no idea that I had lost my daughter. You know, so like just to be able to have the words come out, it'd be able, you're able to make those connections. You'll be able to, you'll be able to heal and learn from other people's, you know, other people's journey because you're not alone. So I think that's what's most important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you are thinking, oh God, do I, do do I want to go? I will say to you, yes, you want to go. Just click on the link, get on the site. And just go for it because you are worth the weekend. Even if you go for an hour, you are worth the time that you take to get there. So make it happen. Sadod.org, right? Yes, sadod.org, hashtag save date 2023. And if the $99 is too much, as I said, there's scholarships. It will definitely be granted and you will be good to go. So we can make it happen. And if you see me there, give me a hug. (laughs) 
Are you going to be a speaker this year? No, we're not speaking. Chris and I are not speaking this year. So I'm part of the chair people that are actually helping organize it. So I'm part of the marketing group. That's why you see my cute little face here today. Um, and we're just trying to get the word out so people know, you know, to come. And honestly, I'm very excited to be able to go around and see all the different things like I did last year. I went to all the classes last year besides my own session. And the groups were amazing. So I will be there all day. I'll be there Friday to Sunday. So. Okay. Okay. And are there tables that they, that has like a, a things with pamphlets and different things that they can pick up? And yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. So there are going to be a lot of resource tables over there. And Cheryl actually from team sharing had mentioned that when I interviewed her, she had mentioned how it's really nice that all these different organizations are going to be there to be able to support each other and to be able to support the people that attend. So you will have plenty of resources there and conversations to be able to have with the people who, you know, are helping and reaching out to people all day long. So you'll definitely have plenty of information and material to take home. That's good. And does it wind down around six o'clock on Saturday? Um, no, no, we're not done at six o'clock. So we have sessions all the way up until. Can you, can yeah. you read the sessions? So we yeah, no. So there are so many sessions. So the, let me just go through some sessions since we have time. Um, Friday night, we're meeting in the ballroom for that million other things from that um, grief presenter, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Williams, like I mentioned. Um, Saturday morning, you know, the ballroom starts again. It starts at 8.30, get in, have breakfast and whatnot. But the grand session starts at 9, oh, yeah, 9.30 a.m. Um, for a value of peer grief support. Um, then we have different, we have so many different sessions. The first one is grandparents grief too. So that must be the one you're going to. Um, there's another one at the same time. So these are at 1045 after the main conference. Um, the 10.41.5 one has whole heart listening, um, the power of listening with your heart. Um, there's another one at 1045, which is honoring our losses, staying connected. And then there is another one at 1045 called remembering those we've lost for direct service providers. So that's also at 1045. And then the other one at 1045 is my bereaved pain has dulled, like the one I discussed, you know, am I okay? And then there's the essential oil ones, you know, what are essential oils and how can they help you? Um, all of these are at 1045. Those are all at 1045. So those are all the different sessions you get to choose. And there's five sessions. So like there's five sessions throughout the day and you have multiple choices of where you go. So there's plenty to be able to choose from, you know, and then we have lunch and during lunch, they're going to have, you know, another keynote speaker. Um, that's when the director of BSAS will be there to discuss things, Deirdre Calvert. So that's from like 1245 to 115. Um, and when I tell you the lunch is delicious, it is a full course meal. It's fabulous. Um, and then the sessions start again, you know, 145 to 245. So they're like an hour session. Um, this one is the importance of cultural humility and grief support. Um, then we have, did my loved one die by suicide? You know, it says this will be a panel discussion of complications of not knowing if our loved ones died intentionally or accidentally, how it affects our grief journey, and what can we do to find healing from all of the unanswered questions? I mean, that will be a very good session for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, then we have um, 
once again at 145, thriving, not just surviving, which is huge. Um, we also have a how to become a peer grief support group facilitator and or a peer ally if you wanted to do that. Um, then we have at 145, a road less traveled, a sibling's journey, which is fabulous. So that is actually Alex um, Maria Tolby. She's a writer, filmmaker, and actress. Do you know her at all, Tony? I don't. Yep. She is, um, she's the communication content creation manager for SAT OD. She lost her brother to an accidental OD and her mother to cancer. So she discusses, you know, the sibling's journey. Um, we also have finding meaning through art and poetry. So there's a lot of these sessions where they have a session, but then they have you create something as well, just to be able to get your creative mind going. Um, and then they also have a 145 connections through rituals. Um, and that's about your wellness. So Ashlyn Wellness is doing that. Um, finding hope in stories of healing and love in the ballroom. So then the sessions start at 3.15. So then once again, there's, you know, multiple sessions for 3.15. That's the one you're on. You know, how do men grieve for everyone? Questions and answers. There's also children in grief. So support when there is a death of a parent or sibling. So that's great. Um, they have silver linings by Spoon and Hammer. You're going to create a keychain bracelet or memory of your loved ones. Um, they also have creative connections through book club conversations. So there must be, it's actually a great idea. There must be um, a group from Lois, Lois Griffin. Lois Griffin is doing that one. She's the president and founder of Zach Team Foundation, um, a public charity that is 100% volunteer and grassroots organization that is dedicated to providing families and individuals struggling with alcohol and substance use disorder support. She is phenomenal. I love Lois. She's fabulous. Louise. I always say a name wrong. I always had a Lois, not a Louise. <laughs> and then they also have knock-in training, which I think is huge. So they have knock-in training Saturday afternoon. So the sessions literally go, go to then, but then from 6 to 7.30, Tony, we have another thing in the ballroom, um, and it's a true story theater. We'll perform an improv, improv of peer grief support. So true story theater mission is to provide social healing through theater by building empathy, respect, and understanding in the honor of true life stories. So they're doing that from 6 to 7.30 as a wind down. So that'll be beautiful, I'm sure. And then it all starts again on Sunday, you know, Sunday morning, um, there's sessions from nine to 10, and then they have the wind down from like 10 to 12, I believe. So lots and lots of sessions. And you can actually find these descriptions. If you go under the registration with a save the date, you can start to fill out your information and you get to choose what session you want to go to. And the description is all in it. So if I wanted to go to two two things at the same time, is like are they videotaped? You know what? I don't know if they videotaped them. I didn't think they did for privacy of the audience members last year. Um, but if you were in one session and you wanted to like sneak over to the other one, I'm sure you can just go sneak in somewhere. So you get because some of those I would say it's you, you're gonna you know with you 250 people and you have there's what ten sessions at a time. Almost, yep. Yeah, let's say if there's eight, then that would mean on an average would be 14 to 16 people and would go to each session yes. if it divided it up equally. Yep, exactly. So I don't know if there's 10 per thing. Let's see. So we got, how many do we have? We have one, two, three, four, five, six, 
Yeah. So there's like six sessions per thing. So, but there's literally five different sessions. Six, that that means it could be as many as thirty people in a session. Yeah. At least. Yep. Yeah. No, it will be good. I mean, it, we expect it to be well attended. And honestly, some things will adhere to some people, and they'll go towards you know that particular session. So, but yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, um, they also, I know that they have a support dog there for people. Um, and they're even going to have a Reiki session as well as some wellness, you know, so, and there's also going to be an AA and the NA meeting this year, which I love. So they're going to be doing that along with meetings for the people that when they're there that might want that support. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a great weekend. Be good to, to, to do the the AA meeting would be good to do before breakfast, you know. Uh, yeah, so the AA meeting, yeah, that's, I agree. Yeah, so um, what time was the meeting? Alan Group open meeting. So 9 to 10 on Sunday, I believe. Yeah, and there's also a morning meditation session on Sunday as well. So, nope, there's something for everyone. It's going to be a great weekend. Okay, and we will yeah. have information on WMEX. Yes. Uh, and this will be a podcast. So anybody that wants to come back and listen to Kathy speak about what's going on, they can do that as a podcast. It'll be up. It'll be up by the 21st of, of uh, August. Yeah. Fabulous. And thank you too for all your support that you offer them every year. I know that, you know, you donate your time and money for, you know, all the advertising and we really, really appreciate that. You're a good man. Yeah, we'd like to take some credit for the getting the word out last year. We probably did 200 commercials. I know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So over time, so we we know how many listeners we have. And we have a lot of people who listen to to uh, Courage to Hope. And they all seem to come from, they're either people who are dealing with Learn to Cope or, yeah. uh, or have somebody with substance abuse problems and they're actively working with them or they or they've lost someone um, I'd like to say that we try to keep it going with the in the recovery side we've had a lot of interviews with people who have come out of the darkness and have been very successful with recovery and now they're working at recovery center it seems like a lot of re, uh, recovered addicts end up working at a recovery center and they do yes it's fabulous yeah. and I, I think that's a great idea because with somebody who's in a recovery center who's just kind of as they say going through a spin dry moment or something yeah. um the the former the former addict knows when they're slinging them the bowl you know so it's like uh, i've been down that road that they, they all know what, yeah. what you're saying is you know tell whether you really mean it or not you know or whether you're just going through the motions i agree yeah, yeah. And know it, as you said, you know, with like the, you know, getting the word out, you know, you may be listening to this and maybe you have not lost somebody to substance use disorder, but you will know somebody who has. So, you know, just try to get the word out yourself because I always say you never know if you're going to be that voice that someone needs to hear, you know, and you right. you become that voice by sharing stories and by sharing a piece of yourself, you know. So if you're listening to this and, you know, you're thinking of that person, oh, maybe this would be good for you know, so-and-so, they lost their daughter, sister, you know, brother, make sure that you reach out to them because you may be the person that is supposed to hear this. You yes, know? have them listen to the yeah. podcast. Yep, yep. That's the best, best way. They can listen to Kathy. They can listen to me. Yep. Um, so 
Um, let's go one more time before yes. I let you go. Um, what is what is how do we how do they sign up? So they're going to sign up and they're going to look for the SAD OD site. So it's S A D O D dot org backslash save date 2023. And it's called Finding Connections in Grief. So if for some reason you can't find it, just Google Finding Connections in Grief Conference and it will pop up and you will see the registration. And okay. if you don't, find Tony or me and we will get you there. All right. Yes. So um, I'd like to talk about something entirely different now. I'm ready. Uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> no, this is a something a big news event that happened recently. Um, the the Sackler family has been, um, you know, tried to file bankruptcy a couple of years ago to get out of um, responsibility for what they've done. And just to give everybody a little background, uh, Richard Sackler was the, was the CEO of Purdue Farmer in Stanford, Connecticut, and Stanford, Connecticut. And, and he was the one who, put out all the advertisements to sell Oxycontin and Oxycodone and created a, a group of salespeople to go out and call on doctors and give out pens and do everything imaginable saying that Oxycontin and Oxycodone were the miracle drug and was going to take care of all the pain in America. Um, the reality, what he did was he he got millions of people addicted to opioids. And that's really what started, you know, the epidemic has now gone several different avenues since that's happened. But it was a big event because recently, because he, the, the family filed bankruptcy and they actually moved their, their company on paper anyway, from Stanford, Connecticut to White Plains, New York, so they could have this uh, bankruptcy judge who was very lenient and in, in favor of basically they were buying the judge. Wow. That's bottom line. They're buying a judge to it, who would, who would do what they needed them to do. And they came up with a plan where they would pay $4.5 billion. It sounds like a tremendous amount of money, but they actually took over 13 billion out of the company. That's wow. not there anymore. So uh, they're not just rich. They're outrageously rich. Mm -hmm. And it's a big family that, that's got all this money. And they took all the money and put it on offshore banks and offshore uh, accounts everywhere around the world to, to hide it. And they've got luxury yachts. They've got luxury houses. They've got everything imaginable. And the biggest thing they don't have is any remorse whatsoever for all the people that they've killed and all the lives that they've ruined. But this bankruptcy judge said that if the people agreed to the bankruptcy, that the Sacklers would have immunity from personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court came back two weeks ago, uh, actually last week, and said that that bankruptcy judge does not have authority to do that. So the whole bankruptcy case has been thrown out. That's good. And, and that's very important because a lot of people who are listening, have we filed a we filed in behalf of uh, a lot of parents. And I say we, I have an attorney who filed several of them and we were waiting for, for money. And, but the money was gonna come out over 18 years, which is, which is ridiculous. 
if you're if you're being you know so and that money would come out of future earnings of Purdue Pharma, so it really wasn't coming out of by Purdue yeah. today. There was no there was zero pain involved, mm -hmm. other than disgracing the name Sackler, and Sackler will go down in history as the uh, the most devious, murderous family in the history of the United States, because they have killed. Um, they, have, they have literally killed close to at least a million people by now, have died from the opioid epidemic over this time. And of course, you could say, well, they died of, they, some people died of heroin overdose or they got fentanyl, but they, they got addicted. Most of these people got addicted by the prescription that doctors were writing. And, and they told them, oh, people, they would say less than 1% was going to get addicted. And they used a report by Jeremiah uh, Jitt from the New England Medical Journal. And, and that was a, some kind of a, a test that he did in the hospital, but it was only a three-day three day report. It was not, not three years, uh, even, right. Right. even three months, you know, to see how many people got addicted. So, and he stated in his report that only 1% got addicted. Well, of course they did. They are also in the hospital under a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. couldn't abuse the drug but that's another big misconception that they think that people out there abuse the drug well the drug abuses the people because once you've got it you can't stop it it's a it's a disease that is that you would get dope sick yes and being dope sick is is a real problem because you only way to get cured only the way to stop dope sickness is go back and take some more get another hit and a lot of people got couldn't get the prescriptions anymore, so they moved over to heroin. And the heroin we actually had um, on the streets three, four years ago was was actually much safer. It was black tar heroin from the hills of Mexico. It's actually much safer than the, the, what little heroin there is today. Heroin today has been totally replaced with fentanyl. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand what how fentanyl works, but because you get fentanyl when you have surgery, but it's administered uh, intravenously and it's obviously very controlled. Very controlled. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind it's kind of a feeling that you have when you're getting a colonoscopy or you're getting a, um, something where you 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 lightly you you lightly um, anesthetize, and it, so and. Fentanyl itself, though, is coming into this country several different ways, and and it's, a lot of it comes across the border from Mexico, and it doesn't come from the people who are crossing the Rio Grande River, so people don't make sure people understand that. It comes by big tractor-trailer trucks of equipment that's coming across the border. They're coming across legitimately, yes. but it is so small and so easy to hide. You can put it. You can you can put it in a in a, in a small packet. Yeah. Small packet that uh, I'm going to say something that's one third the size of a football, mm -hmm. or let's say a softball size could serve could could give enough fentanyl for a hundred thousand people. Right. So it, it's you know they're not looking for like when you brought heroin or brought pot over across the country across the border. Mm -hmm. You know, you needed bales and bales of it, and they'd bring it in ships and hide it in docks and everything, you know. 
all that's gone now because they've legalized marijuana in 20 something states. Yes. So there's enough marijuana out there that people aren't, so the, the drug cartels are not, they're not doing that anymore. You know, they're, they're, that's, that's passe. But yeah. China is the company, the country that's actually providing the chemical to the Mexicans to be able to create the fentanyl. Wow. And that's, it's a dual thing where we've got two different countries. And, and there's a lot of people in America who can actually buy the chemicals direct through the mail and create fentanyl right, right in a lab in their own house. It's not, it's not that complicated. No. Um, the biggest thing we have to do is we have to eliminate the customers. We have to eliminate the customers. So, you know, if there's no demand for it, then there's nobody dying of it. Right. But we have to, we're, we're far from that. I mean, Massachusetts had uh, 207,000, it was at 2,070 mm -hmm. deaths last, last, just last year in 2022. Yes. And it's up. It's up because fentanyl is one and done. If you get mm -hmm. the wrong batch of fentanyl, you can die instantly. Where before, you know, if you were even doing the opioids, it'd take you a long time to get addicted. And after a while, you just keep up on the score and yeah. eventually your heart stops. But um, but fentanyl is 100 times stronger than than even the opioids were. So that's that's a real problem. And But the, the big news is that the, the Sackler family is now um, back on. We can go after them now again. And so this is going to, this is a good thing. I'm waiting for the attorney general to come after them for criminal felonies. That that's will uh, feel really satisfied when I know that's happened. It will now, be. You know, it bring you people back, but it, it will give you some satisfaction that they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And just for the record, my son played football for Curry College got a neck injury, went over to the Milton Hospital. And in the emergency room, they gave him a prescription for 100 oxycodone, take three or four a day as needed. That was his advice. I filled the prescription, which is one of the things that bothers me, that I actually filled it. And I had no idea what I was filling. I'd never even heard you of it before. You had you know, no idea, you know. Never heard of it. Yeah. So, um and while we're on that note, we do have a bill in the House right now in Massachusetts if um, that we're trying to get past this year. We tried it the last session. We're going to try it this session where if somebody gets a prescription for, a, for an opioid and they're 18 years or younger, they have to be notified by the doctor and the parent has to sign off on it that they know right. it's a highly addictive drug. And this is something that we're trying to get. Uh, we kind of get this passed. And uh, I believe I have the, um, I want to give the, the the actual number of the drug so we can, H2164. 2164, okay. Yeah, it's in the house. And Representative Fioli from Fall River is the one who is the lead sponsor on it. Excellent. And we need all the help we can get to get this passed. So, okay. Well, how do you send people to be able to learn about that? Where do you send them to? Well, uh, they could they could go to the um, to the House of Representatives and put in that bill number, 
Okay. And the, the bill will be online right there. They could read the whole thing. It's actually not as simple one or two pages. Of course, they but they people keep adding stuff to it. So it's now what, what started as a two page bill is now like a 12 page bill. Oh, wow. That's good. They, yeah. They had other things to it, you know, because um, we, we have a problem with veterinarians with opioids right now. Wow. And and so the veterinarians, you know, people could use a, a smart drug person. Somebody who's got addiction problems can use the veterinarian to get prescriptions filled. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's and scary. While they create an injury or something that their cat or their dog needs and they end up taking it, getting the prescription and using it themselves. Yeah. It, it's co more complicated than that. But I just trying to give you a thing without... Right. You've been nice and upbeat the whole conversation. I don't want to end it with something that negative. No, no, it's not negative. It's something that people need to realize does happen, you know, and the education matters. So, right. Yeah. Well, we hope to see going back to the original part of the session. We we hope to see you all at the um, that that want to come to the. Yes. And we call it, the, we don't call it the grief conference. What are we? Well, it's is, called the Finding Connections in Grief Conference. Yep. Saturday, Finding Connections in Grief Conference. Yes. Okay. So find us. We will be there. So, okay. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for the conversation. You're wonderful. Thank you. And I was talking to Kathy Sullivan, um, wife of Chris Sullivan, who we had on a while back, who's a very interesting man. Yes, long-term recovery, 14 years for Mr. Christopher. He's very, fabulous. Very, very proud of that, and he's doing a real good job. And He's out telling his story, and he's very, very helpful for those who are listening. Absolutely. And this is Tony LaGrecker, and this is The Courage to Hope. Thank you again, Tony. You're a wonderful man. I appreciate you. And thank you, Kathy.